this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Is there anything better than Game 3 between hated rivals? Calgary and Colorado will run it back on Saturday night. We'll talk about the complete domination by the Buffalo Bandits, give you another round of box bets, and let you know the nominees for the end of the year awards. All that and more right here on OTCB. I am an Good evening and welcome ladies and gentlemen alongside Pat Gregoire. My name is Teddy Jenner and boy have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight. Dare I say it, underrated defense and shame on us for not giving this defense enough credit. But Matt Vince and his defense put on an absolute clinic here in the East Final. Bandits for the second straight playoffs beat the Rock in two games and Buffalo is headed back to the final. One goal game, Zed Williams across center. Robinson to McLaughlin, floats high, pass knocked down, four seconds, loose ball, game three coming. What a fantastic lacrosse game between these two clubs. It was 5-3 at halftime. They went goal for goal, run for run, save for save. And we're going to run it back next Saturday right here inside the Saddle Dome. Yes, indeed. There is a Game 3 coming in the West Final. Calgary, Colorado to the death. And we wouldn't have it any other way. Our hot takes were almost accurate a couple weeks ago of both going to Game 3s and all the home teams winning. But man, oh man, have we been treated to some unbelievable cross in the West Final and in the West playoffs altogether. And then out East, we're going to have to deep dive into this. What the yeah. heck these Buffalo Bandits are doing. But he's Pat Gregoire. Find him on Twitter, at Greggy. Thanks for putting it in your name title there so I could remember. Uh, my name is Teddy <laughs> Jenner. You can find me on Twitter, at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast. Or you can find us on Instagram, at OTCB podcast i am off to calgary today for game three tomorrow brad chowner myself chantel chan will have the call for you on tsn uh yourself john abbott ashley docking an incredible job on the weekend doing the double dip on friday saturday if you guys get the weekend off then put your feet up have a cold beverage relax and enjoy what will be a wild game three what's going on man it's going, man. It's it's full on lacrosse season here sure in is. Canada. Um, we obviously got the NLL going on, and that's at full attention. But you and I both coaching, um, but also you know junior A lacrosse starting out here now in Ontario. Major series uh, camps are starting. Senior B lacrosse is start- like it is. It is lacrosse like yeah. from Monday to Sunday. That's all that's on my mind. But no doubt, NLL taking f- the front stage. Be- before we get into much of the of the Bandits uh, mm. and Rock series, uh, it was just that was just the setup itself. Maybe talk about that the the back to back, it being you know so close, um, the proximity between the two fan bases, especially that Saturday night game, seeing all the Bandits fans there. Like I would love to see, and of course the magnitude's not going to be there, but I'd love to see more 
back-to-backs between these two teams in the regular season as a little preview of, of, of what could come later in the playoffs. I would love to see a Friday, Saturday, Friday night in, in Buffalo, Saturday in Hamilton during the regular season. But um, what an unreal weekend. Uh, I think we kind of, you said it, we think we knew this Calgary and Colorado series was going to be tight. Crazy to think that this is the sixth time that they've played this year now, which is amazing. But I don't think anyone could have guessed the way that the East final went down. Like nobody had that on their bingo card. Not even close. Like you could understand game one. Sure. Buffalo just comes out guns blazing has Toronto's number. They don't have Tom or they have Tom Schreiber, but he's probably not at 100%. Wasn't real Tom Schreiber. No, it wasn't. Like so you can understand if Buffalo came out roaring in that game one, but you would almost bet the house that on 24 hours after Nick Rose gets pulled and Toronto lays an egg that Matt Sawyer and company are going to game plan, adjust, manipulate, do whatever they have to do and tie this series up or at least keep it close and you would have been broke you would have lost (laughs) everything because that was just i it was as if they just were like oh yeah right we have another gear let's let's just flip the switch and take this game over and from vino to the defense to mickey running in transition to the depth that they have on offense, let's you know, let's let's hope that Chase Fraser is going to be okay. Yeah, uh, he's going to be able to play in the finals. But man, this team is just an unbelievable machine right now, just running on all cylinders. Yes, they've lost the past two; they've been to three straight championships. But this is a team that is playing some very inspired and pissed off lacrosse. They are not going to leave anything to chance. They are going to just absolutely do everything they can to steamroll everybody. And you're right. Nobody saw comp- what they did to Toronto coming. They were, what, plus 18 in two games. And that, that's just remarkable against a Buffalo or against a Toronto Rock team that throughout the course of the season was not only one of the most highest scoring teams, but also one of the, the best defensive teams. And Buffalo mm-hmm. made them look like a junior C team at times. It was crazy. What plus 30 goal differential? Like that is the most in NLL history in a uh I believe in, in a playoff series. Like wasn't it, it wasn't it 31 13? According to the Lax Mag, plus 30 Uh-oh. was the was the the goal differential. So uh, again, um Oh, maybe that's maybe that's for I, I, my apologies. Read it wrong. That's for their entire playoff. Yeah, run, yeah, yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is still stupid because they did smoke Rochester and yeah, they and had four, so yeah, they beat Rochester twenty to eight. Then game one was fourteen five, and then game two was seventeen eight. Yeah, yeah. So plus plus thirty plus over 30 three games. Over three <laughs> games. Uh, the the next best was the 1994 Philadelphia Wings at plus 21, <laughs> and the that. yeah, and the 2009 Calgary Roughnecks plus 21. Oh yeah, uh, both those teams won NLL cups. So yes, you're totally right. This this team is playing at another level. We know what their offense can do. We know that Dane Smith and Josh Byrne can go off at any night. Uh, but the big difference for me was the surrounding cast stepping up chris Mm -hmm. cluche 
was a man on a mission. Dogan Anacoke maybe didn't put up the huge numbers, but it was those big time goals that really, especially in game one, injected life into the building. And then in game two, sucked the life out of the building. But for me, the more impressive thing was the defensive effort from the bandits. They packed it in tight, soaking shots on the PK. Uh, At times it looked like they had three goalies on the floor. Um, Five on five, they still packed it in off ball, but they were playing Mm -hmm. aggressive on ball, not allowing Toronto to dictate the pace and and decide where they were attacking from. It It was an absolute clinic. And the team that we thought was the best defense in the league was completely outclassed on the other side of the floor. Um, yes, I think things play out a little bit differently if Tom Triber's at full health for both those games. But I mean that the way that defense played, man, I, I just, I just if they continue that into the final, I don't know if they can. But like, how does how does Calgary or Colorado's offense? How are they able to to stop that? Really, yeah, I, don't I don't know, know man. It, it's it's going to be very interesting to watch either Pat Coyle or Kurt Malowski try and game plan yeah. for that Buffalo Bandits team because, you know, you have to be a great tactician, a great adjustment guy to have success in this league. You have to be able to adjust on the fly and, and change your matchups and and look at things sometimes from a different angle. I don't know, man. That The way that Buffalo team is playing and, and Matt Vince looks like he is really gunning for that one last championship. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be tough, but they get a week off. They are resting just like yourself, Patty. That's probably (laughs) a good thing because they probably are a little banged up because they were banged up going into the playoffs. But the Calgary Roughnecks and the Colorado Mammoth have played two absolute gems back-to-back this past weekend. A 8-7 win down in Colorado in Game 1, and then a 13-12 win in Game 2, 48 hours later, where the Mammoth almost came back from two different four-goal deficits to force overtime and win that lacrosse game. If not for an incredible play by Eli Salama to knock that pass down and allow the clock to run out, who knows what that offense could have done to, if they tied that game and gotten to overtime. But holy crap, man. Unbelievable. The intense. And usually I'm, I'm a sit-down guy when I'm calling games. You know, <laughs> yeah. in Halifax and you have to stand or you'll just won't see the floor. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, you know, I'm usually a sit-down guy. In that fourth quarter, I didn't sit down once. No. You couldn't. It was just unbelievable, dude. And they were going back and forth and they were just scoring unbelievable goals and offset plays out of TV timeouts and the defensive adjustments were happening. I'd never seen a team literally try and shut down two guys for an entire game. And, and Calgary was doing that to Lee and Williams all night. They were literally face guarding them against the sideboards. And then Colorado found themselves down four. We're like, ah, okay. Maybe they run out of gas. It was a long trip, long weekend. Nope, Zed's like, I got this. Ian yeah. Connor Robinson, boom, boom, right back in it, down by one. Calgary scores a couple more. Okay, that's it. Nope, Zed, I got this. Boom, boom. Get back within one. This is a team that understands 
how to win lacrosse games. And obviously they've been through the trials and tribulations and, and the pain and torture of playoffs before. I have no idea what we're going to see in game three. And how could you? I mean, we we had two completely different games. You keep saying the classic 8-7 battle, and that's exactly what it was. It was a defensive battle. It was a chess match. Neither team really seemed like they wanted to, to – and I think it played into Colorado's hands that, like, they really took away the transition, and mm-hmm. it didn't seem like Colorado really wanted to take a risk, especially late because – how important every possession was. And then in game two, it looked like, oh, okay, we're getting another defensive battle. It's it's what, five, three five, at three. the end. And then it's like a heavyweight belt where the two guys are just <laughs> feeling each other out, throwing a couple here and there, more defense, dancing around. And then both trainers in the corner are saying, okay, we got to open this up. And it was blow for blow, <laughs> blow for blow. No one's throwing up their guard. They're just no. swinging right hands. And that's what I mean. Like, I don't know what to expect. Do we expect the defensive battle with the, where the goalies are going to shine? Or is it going to be, you know, uh, more of an open battle? But let's be honest. I think the one thing we can expect is the goaltenders are going to shine, mm-hmm. despite the higher scoring game in game two. Dylan Ward still had 37. Delbianco still had 32. And I think one thing that we can put money on, maybe we can put money on at cool, but maybe, maybe we'll see if we can get some totals on some saves for these two goalies because mm. it's been an unbelievable clinic between the pipes, between two of the best goalies on planet Earth. Yeah, and and ultimately, both offensive offenses have been great. You know, they're getting chances. They're they're very systematic. They they have their set plays. They have their, you know, basic offenses that they run in formations and sets. And they're getting incredible looks. <laughs> but it's just so damn hard to be Delbs and, and Wardo right now. Like they're 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 just making it look easy and hard at the same time, but with just flair and, and incredible flexibility and dexterity to make some of these saves it's it just continually blows our minds watching from the broadcast booth of what these goalies are doing but you have to give credit to to calgary for coming back on home floor and just withstanding that pressure because like i said there was two two times where they were up four and colorado got back to within one and you could have seen them buckle under that pressure but kurt miloski and his staff wouldn't let that happen and we retreated to goalies. We finally got a little bit of transition from Calgary. Tyler Pace showed up. He was incredible. Tanner Cook is an emerging superstar uh, in, in the Roughnecks roster right now. Um, I don't know if I've seen a power forward like him. others <laughs> Like Zed is a power forward. Hayden Dixon's a power forward. Steph LeBlanc was a power forward. Colin Doyle was a power forward. But... I don't think we've seen anybody with with Tanner Cook's size, speed, skill, hands, and willingness to mix it up in quite some time. And I think his emergence as a number two guy on that lefty side with Kinger has really revolutionized their offense, having lost you know a Dixon and a Dobie over the past couple of years. 
and he has been absolutely phenomenal in their offense this year. He's you, you, I'm glad you say that said this year, because I mean, he has had an unreal year. It's not like he's just, you know, come into the fold into the playoffs, but I think he has elevated his game. I think he's taken it to another level. And, you know, I had an opportunity to watch a a lot of him during his days in Whippy. And that's kind of what he did. Like you said, you talked to Sean Williams earlier this year about Mm -hmm. the way he plays and when he plays his best is, you know what, you might have to let him take a penalty at the start yeah. of the game at some point because that's that's just the intensity that he has. He loves getting in the mix. He's going to be in every single scrum. Um, and it's 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 easier to rein a guy in like that than have to motivate him to, to get to that level. And I think that's the type of player that he is, and that's the type of players that you want to go to battle in, in the postseason with. Old Zach Courier stat line. <laughs> Which one? Because both were ridiculous. But game, <laughs> but game two was an, an absolute joke. Like an absolute joke. Let me pull this up here. I should have had it I ready got it. to go, but got you it. got it. Fire away, Teddy. Uh, well, in three games, he has 15 cause turnovers. <laughs> um, in game two, his stat line was one goal, one assist, 17 loose balls, and seven CTOs. <laughs> oh my! That God. is just stupid. It's video game numbers, as the kids would say. He, I like if there was any debate that he's, and I know the votes have already been casted, but she's the transition player of the year. I mean, there is no denying. You can talk about Challen Rogers and his effectiveness to play offense and defense might be better. But in terms of having effect in the game when picking up a loose ball and pushing the ball in transition, he's so dangerous. He's so, so dangerous. Watching him like take flight and, and float in the air, I don't know how he can stay in the air that long. Like I it is insane. It's like time just just stops. Yeah. There's only a few guys in the league that can do it. And Josh Byrne comes to mind. And Lyle Thompson come to mind. And those yeah. are two of the best offensive players on the planet. This is a defensive tranny guy that can do it. Like right. just ridiculous. What did he say to us on coast to coast? He's like, I just had to find a stay a way to stay in the air longer. <laughs> yeah. Like it's core. Cause he's getting on top of the goalie so fast. He just has to yeah. find a way and he takes off. Yeah. He's just, it, sometimes it just looks like he's levitating and floating. It's crazy. And it's crazy. he's able to throw, two, three fakes on goalies and tuck it in the smallest little holes. Um, it's been a real pleasure to watch and and getting being around the Couriers more and more uh, this year. It's it, it's a fun dynamic between those two guys, uh, seeing the brothers on the floor together and, and their roommates on the road. And it's been a nice addition having Zach in that Calgary offense. You know, he's struggled a bit in these playoffs. He got his first goal – or sorry, Josh. He got his first goal over the weekend in game two – in the postseason, but just having your brother there kind of takes some pressure off things. And um, it's been a real nice dynamic watching those two guys go, but man, Zach Courier is just a, a different beast. And, you know, Adam Levy with, you know, a tweet the other day, there are currently seven players who have recorded five or more cause turnovers during the playoffs. Four of them are roughnecks courier with 15 Salama with 10, Leclerc and Manning with five each. 
Like Wild. That's, that's just team playing good, strong defense. And they cause a lot of havoc for Calgary or sorry for Colorado. And I, you know, a lot of it was predicated by shutting, trying to shut down Lee and Williams, literally face guarding them, making the lefties try and beat you and knocking passes down and playing aggressive and getting in hands and picking guys up as soon as they cross center, making them work in short clock situations. It was a well-executed game plan. I'm ex- I'm very excited to see what Mouse and Coyle do structurally and game plan wise after what we saw in the first two games because you know that those two guys went home and watched the game film over and over and over and over again, breaking it down and trying to find any small little edge because that's what it's going to take. We talked to Robert Hope and Jesse King this week pregame. And we asked them, you know, there's no secrets now. You've played each other, what would you say, six times now this season. And, or this will be their sixth time playing this season. And so you pretty much know everything that's coming, what's going to be the difference. And it's going to come down to minor adjustments and the little things, you know, the making sure that extra pass is there, not throwing a ball away late or, you know, being unselfish in reverse transition. It's going to be the little things that make the difference in this game. And I cannot wait for it. Um, One weird, one wild stat Brad found. Colorado has only led for three and a half minutes in this series. (laughs) What? Yeah. A grand total of three minutes and 29 seconds. That is so that's so Colorado though, man. Right? Like that is, is so, so Colorado. Like just find a way to win. Find a way to get into a game and and you're the the parallels to this team to last year. I know it's I know it feels like a different team, but just this run, and especially if Colorado can can get by Calgary and go up against Buffalo, like how do they not have confidence that they can get it done again? Mm-hmm. They silenced that offense before they found a way to beat that defense and, and, and get to the holes, get to the the weak points of Matt Vince's game. Like how could they not feel confident? Of course, Buffalo looks like they're a different beast, but man, this, this Colorado team is just a playoff built team on the roster the coaching staff and just mentally how they don't care Mm -hmm. that they only led for three minutes and however many seconds Brad said, they just find ways to win. And that's what championship teams do find ways to win. Can't take credit. Can't take any credit away or can't take what's, what am I trying to say? Can't take any credit. No, can't take away. Can't take away from the fact that Calgary did the same thing to Buffalo a couple years yep. ago as well, right? Yep. So no doubt, no um, doubt. I think both these teams are high on confidence, and Game Three will go Saturday from Scotiabank Saddledome. I have no idea what the crowd is going to be. We could all sit here and imagine fourteen, fifteen, sixteen thousand inside that arena for Game Three, but if you're not in Canada, you're not in Western Canada, you may not know. There are some raging forest fires in the province of Mm -hmm. Alberta right now. And on Saturday in Calgary, it was a glorious sunny day. On Sunday, you couldn't see 30 feet in front of you 
because of the smoke and the smog that has rolled into the city. They are on mask advisory. They're telling people not to leave the house if they don't have to. I just don't know how that's going to affect the game and the crowd on Saturday night. Maybe more people stay home so they can watch it on TV. Maybe some people will tough it out and get to the arena. But it is apocalyptic right now in some of the pictures that we've seen. It's a glowing red sun. It's it. Zach Courier said to us, it's like you're living in a campfire. So hopefully everybody in Alberta, Calgary, Edmonton in between is being safe um, and listening to the recommendations from the provincial government and local officials. But um, it's going to be interesting if, you know, flying in, what that's going to be looking like later today. It's just going to be like you're flying into a zombie set. So uh, hopefully it doesn't affect the crowd. Um, but I kind of have a feeling it might put a bit of a damper on some people wanting to leave the house and get to the arena uh, for that game. But regardless, it is going to be an absolute incredible matchup. Winner gets Bandits. Game one of the NL Finals will go next weekend. Uh, they're still trying to finalize dates for game two, depending on who is in. But expect it to be that weekend as well. But we just got to play the game. 7.30 Mountain Time, 9.30 Pacific, or. 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific. Chantel, Chad, Brad, Sean, and myself will have the call on TSN. Thumbs up, thumbs down. What do you got? Oh, I am going with my thumbs up. I want to give it to two specific players and talked about kind of it already, but the two players uh, that jumped out to me the most, um, Bryce Sweeting, Ethan O'Connor. Mm. Those two anchor crease guys on the PK, the amount of shots that they soaked, um, impressive stuff, man. Like they absolutely put their bodies on the line. And I know there's some scuttlebutt going around the internet about how, you know, that's cheating and that shouldn't happen and that it's bad for the game. Well, you go out there and you sit on the crease <laughs> and you so soak those shots. 120 kilometers. You think how easy burn. that is? Give me a break. If it was so easy, every team in the NLL would do it. Yeah. Give me a break. And I know they've been doing this, you know, for a little while now. And they did, but it was just more magnified because their commitment to it. They did it every single time and they were jumping out in front of shots, soaking shots. It was, it was absolutely a masterclass. And I just want to give my thumbs up to those guys for just putting on a show in front of the net and, and just putting their bodies on the line. Uh, my thumbs up will be the entire West playoffs as it stands right now. Uh, Colorado Calgary, one goal game. Oh, sorry, Colorado San Diego, one goal game. Panther City Calgary, three goal game. And we know the two Mammoth Roughnecks, one goal games in the finals. It has been just a treat. We have seen some of the best lacrosse we've seen all year in these four games in the West playoffs. Again, not taking away from whatever the Bandits have been doing out there in the East. That is just an absolute destruction of teams but the fact that we've been treated to such incredible lacrosse out west uh, in these playoffs just goes to show how close these team four teams were um, how incredible their coaching staffs were how hard the players went out and battled and overall just an incredible incredible 
four games. We got one more, and I cannot wait for it. Uh, thumbs down. I was I was trying to think of thumbs down, and I I almost was like, you know what? Finals have been so so positive, uh, you know, it's been so or so the conference finals have been so great, and wanted to keep it positive. But we did wax poetically quite a bit about Buffalo, but I wanted to give my thumbs down to the showing that the Toronto rock had. And Mm -hmm. I think it's just maybe because I had such high expectations. A lot of people had high expectations, Um, but they picked the two, the worst time to have their two worst games of the season. And I know Tom Schreiber being hurt doesn't help, but they got to find a way. And it wasn't just the offense that didn't show up. The defense looked nothing like themselves. They were on their heels they weren't getting up and pushing ball in transition. They they did in, sec, in the second game a little more, but in game one, zero transition goals. They were allowing Buffalo's offense to dictate the pace. They weren't causing turnovers, you know, in dangerous areas on the floor, getting into the neutral zone and, and causing havoc. It was like in game one, it was almost like, okay, let's weather the storm and see what happens. They didn't weather the storm and they couldn't handle the runs that challenge Rogers specifically mentioned to us that managing the runs, especially in game one in bandit land was going to be important. They'd managed the one run, but then in that third quarter, six, nothing in the third quarter and they had no answer. And in game two, it was a seven and zero run after that five minute penalty against challenge Rogers. And they had no answer, just yep. no answer. So great season Toronto um they're gonna be back I think obviously there's no doubt there's gonna be changes on that roster some big decisions personally for some players yeah but just very disappointed that we didn't get a third game because I think we deserved a third game between because it's takeaway and it's so crazy but I heard you know chugger talk about this on 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 jake and tino's pod this week and you know, steve dietrich said like you know take away that seven and oh run and take away that six and oh run it's probably a different game i know mm-hmm. that's easier sure. said than done but just the no response just seemed like very uncharacteristic from this toronto team yeah you just didn't see it coming Right. There was all this hype as that momentum train built. You know, they finally got to Snoo back. They got Corbeil into the lineup. Um, Latrell was playing on a defensive player of the year award worthy level. And Cree was playing out of his mind. And Rosie's numbers were off the charts. You just didn't see it coming. No. Which is, is the biggest shock to me. And again, like we started off the top. Okay, sure. Game one. You get steamrolled in Bandit Land. That's one of the hardest environments to play in. But when you go back home, you'd expect them to be better, and they weren't. And it was one of the strangest things I saw all year long was you never would have thought that Buffalo would have cruised like this. And they've done it to everybody. Mm -hmm. And kind of scares me of what they could do in the finals if they're going to keep playing like this. And like I said, that's why I'm interested to see whether it's Colorado, whether it's Calgary, how Coyle and crew and Mouse and crew game plan and try to slow down that Buffalo Bandits offense because they are, to steal a phrase, a wagon. 
Um, my thumbs down. I'm hoping it's not, but we may have seen the end of the line for Brody Merrill and Dan Dawson. Yeah. And two of the classiest gentlemen to have ever picked up a stick in all of lacrosse. Um, leaders, idols, icons, role models, torch bearers, whatever you want to say. The NLL is indebted to those two men for their service over the past 15, 20 plus years. Brody Merrill coming into the NLL to an expansion port or a relocated Portland Lumberjacks team and helping them to an NLL finals against Buffalo. And he won, I think, rookie of the year and co-defender of the year in his rookie year. Dan Dawson, a six-round pick to Columbus. Kind of floundering. Nobody expected much. Played a little defense. And then slowly just started to become an elite player by taking care of himself on and off the floor. And both will go down as two of the greatest leaders, uh, two of the greatest players of all time, two of the best at their craft. And Dan finally got his first NLL trophy back in, I think, 2011 with Rochester. But it's just incredibly tough to see Brody Merrill not get one. He's got everything else. But for him not to have an NLL championship maybe leaves a bit of a sour taste in, in his mouth. But if it is the end of the line for both of these men, I think we all have to stand up and applaud and thank them for everything they did on, off the floor, and for the growth of the game of lacrosse and showing kids it doesn't matter where you get drafted doesn't matter where you come from. doesn't matter your junior background. doesn't matter your high school, college backgrounds at all. If you put in the work and you stay dedicated to your craft, no matter what your skill set is, you can be the best in the world. And at one point, these two were both the best at what they did. So to Dan and to Brody, if it is the end of the line, thank you. Couldn't have said it better myself, Teddy. I will say thumbs down for seeing them leave, but no doubt two massive thumbs up for for what they did uh, during their careers. And let's be honest, their mark on the game of lacrosse is far from over. What Brody Merrill's doing at the Hill Academy um, will continue to have a mark on the game. And whatever Dan Dawson chooses to do mm-hmm. after lacrosse, if this is the end, um, we already know the great things he does at the grassroots level. But if he wants to hop on a bench, be a GM, heck, even hop into a booth and be a color commentator because he is one of the best conversations in the game of lacrosse. Whatever he chooses, he's going to excel at it. And um, the lacrosse world will miss these two guys on the floor if this, in fact, is the end. But this isn't the last that we've seen these two in the game of lacrosse. Let's take a look at your NLL award nominees before we get into box bets this week. Um, where do you want to start? You just want to go down the list or do you want to go from bottom to top? Let's go bottom to top because I think we should leave the best for last, which is MVP. Oh, it's not the Borelli. <laughs> uh, shout out Adam Levy. Yes. Uh, for all his unbelievable work. If you do not follow him on Twitter, uh, he is a must follow. Uh, literally does 75% of my game prep for me. 
uh, <laughs> leading up to games with all the stats that he finds out. Um, we are both honored to be nominated alongside him for the Tom Borelli Award. Uh, you're going for back-to-back, which uh, he tweeted out would be only the <laughs> like, third time that's ever happened or second time it's ever happened. Uh, Tutka uh, went back-to-back-to-back. Um, and it's just, uh, I think we both can echo the sentiment. It's just an incredible honor to be voted by our peers and, and those that listen and know the game um, to be nominated for the Braille. It's just an incredible honor. It, it really is. And thank you for, you know, for everyone who did vote. Uh, it is, it is an honor to, to just be nominated for this. We have so many unbelievable colleagues and uh, to, to Adam's um, nomination, it's his first, it probably won't be his last, mm-hmm. but um, the amount of work that that guy puts in uh, on a day-to-day basis for the national lacrosse league, he writes for, I think roughly a billion different publications. <laughs> um, the tweets, the little nuggets, the Levi nuggets that he throws out there are incredible. Does some good work for the NLPA. Um, there is no doubt he is deserving of winning this thing. And, and uh, you know, he's, he's one of the, the hardest working, if not the hardest working media man in this game. Uh, all right. Executive of the year, Melissa Blades, uh, director of business ops for Calgary, Mark Fine, CEO of Vegas and Matt Hutchings, EVP and COO of Cronky Sports uh, and the Colorado Mammoth. I was kind of shocked that we didn't get a San Diego representative in any of the wards. Um, Maybe even this one, especially for pulling off the outdoor game. But not to take away from what Melissa has done with Calgary and their in-game entertainment and keeping that fan base structured and alive. Mark Fine in their first year down in Las Vegas has done an excellent job. And then Matt Hutchings, uh, EVP with Colorado, just still one of the benchmarks uh, in the National Lacrosse League. But I, this is always a tough one because you never know, you know what, what executive duties are you basing it off of. Um, you know, you could have gone out to Buffalo because they, you know, they're still – the best draw in the National Cross League on a regular basis. Uh, you can go around the league and find people who are putting in the work behind the scenes. Um, but Melissa, Mark, and Matt did an incredible job all year long. No doubt. All three very deserving for, for different reasons. You know, you mentioned Calgary. Again, they've always had a f- passionate, passionate fan base, but it just seemed like within the last couple of years, post-COVID, um, they've taken it to a, to new heights and you know, it's on my bucket list, man. I want to get inside that building to catch a game, whether it's up in the booth or even sitting with the fans and watching a game. I just got to get out there. Mark fine. What an unreal job that he's done um, building uh, an expansion team already having a a strong, passionate fan base, just the, all the different um, unique marketing initiatives that they've done down in las vegas outstanding work and matt hutchings uh, no doubt a wagon that is uh kse and what they do for the mammoth that great fan base just continuing to be one of the premier franchises in the nll uh can't go wrong with any three of those choices all right let's get into the meat of things general manager of the year mike board Roughnecks, Dan Carey, Nighthawks, Jamie Dowick from the Toronto Rock. 
Uh, Jamie Dowick, obviously, you know, not the way he admit, envisioned this team um, ending their season. It was championship or bust. But look at some of those free agent signings out the back door. You just look at, you know, picking up Chris Corbeil. I, I know he was hurt majority of the year. Uh, you you get uh, Greg Downing at the trade deadline, but then you look up at uh, front on the offense grabbing. Corey Small, and he had one of his best offensive outputs of his long career. Mm-hmm. You get a veteran in Stephen Keogh, who is a, a vocal leader on the floor and uh, a guy that, before he was a little bit banged up down the stretch, was on pace to having one of his best years in 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 quite some time. So uh, those two guys there, and then and Mike Board, again, just every time it seems like this team loses a huge player, you think, okay, this is the downfall. Well, he he always finds ways to have a great draft and and help develop talent, and that's no case or no difference this year as you look at that roster. And they're thriving one game away from going to the NLL final after losing the heartbeat of that offense. Head coach of the year, Mike Hazen from Rochester, Tracy Klosky, Panther City, Kurt Miloski, Kaga Roughnecks. Mike Hazen turned a second to last place team around into a playoff contender. Tracy Klusky took a team that just missed the playoffs into their very first postseason in franchise history. And Kurt Miloski just had this Calgary Roughnecks team playing on a different level as they battle for number one in the West all season long. Um, two former teammates, one very good friend. Well, they're all very good friends. Um <laughs> But this is going to be an interesting one to see how this one plays out. I I I like I really do like all three choices. I do think that there were some other other coaches that could have been in the mix. Uh, I think Sean Williams probably got some votes as well, considering you know I know they didn't make the playoffs, but I think they beat some expectations. Um, there's no denying that the two teams that finish with the best records in the East and West. A lot of people are kind of confused there, but uh, again, (laughs) you can only have three finalists. And I think all three of these are very deserving. Teammate of the year, Kyle Buchanan of the bandits, Dan Dawson of the rock, John LaFontaine of the Albany firewolves. If it is the end of the line, it would be probably a great send off for Dan Dawson to, to get this nod consolation as it would be uh but all three are incredible incredible teammates i'm a huge johnny laugh fan um bucky's always been one of my favorite players to watch and and doss is just an absolute legend as we already talked about uh you will not go wrong on whoever you hand Mm -hmm. this one out or the or the sportsmanship award uh as bucky schreiber and lyle thompson are involved in that one as well the teammate of the year could also be renamed as the nicest human beings of the year um, with all three <laughs> yeah. of those guys. Yeah. Um, uh, sportsmanship. I mean, you could probably go with that as well, but just kind of goes to show the character that Kyle Buchanan and the respect he has across the league yeah. being up for sportsmanship and teammate of the year. Um, Lyle Thompson. Like I think when he retires, this probably will be called the Lyle Thompson award because he's won it so many times and been up for it. Um, but three, Great ambassadors for the game. Three guys that have so much respect for uh, across the league. Um, again, don't think you can really go wrong with any three of these gentlemen. Can I can I take a sidebar? Sure, of course. 
What did you think of Lyle's announcement to step away from the PLL? Uh, it, it definitely sounded some alarm bells, um, but the guy has played a lot of lacrosse over the last, you know, few years between all his NLL, his international play. Um, I think that's probably going into it. He wants to be healthy for uh, the world championships. Mm-hmm. I think everyone's alarm bells though went off being like, okay, where's he going to play in the summer? Um, yeah. I'm not taking that away. Like I know there was jumbo had his, his rumblings a year ago that were shut down immediately. Now those seem like that could be legitimate that he's heading out West to play with Nanaimo. It wouldn't shock me. Like if he played a minimum of like six games with a team, whether yeah. it's in the WLA and the senior B loop or in major series with, with the the chiefs. But I do believe he is actually using this as a reset, reset yeah. his mind, reset his body, but that doesn't mean he's not going to play again, some lacrosse at some point this summer. So well, don't think gonna, he's trying he's gonna be playing in the world. Well, yes, exactly. He's there's but no doubt. But more focus I, on where does he play box during the summer? Is, yeah. is he, is he going for, uh, a Prezi Cup somewhere, get his four games in, get qualified, or does he come out west and play with Heine uh, out in Nanaimo? It'll be interesting. It, it will I, be. I I, th- I think the more likely would be playing locally somewhere, um, you know, with the Onondaga's yeah, senior the B Hawk. team, yeah. or maybe even with the Chiefs, get his minimum in, and then try to go on a run with, with the Chiefs this year. Go like I think it would be more of a shocker or like okay how healthy is he really uh, if it was for him to head out west and, and make a move like that like mm-hmm. then you could be like okay shoot the rumors last year were true yeah. um, again whatever he chooses I respect um, he has played so much lacrosse he played that last PLL year completely banged up like yeah. say what you will. Um, he 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 deserves time off if this is really what he wants. All right, sidebar over. Uh, defensive player of the year. Um, we're back to the old argument of how can you have two players from one team up for the same award? But Latrell Harris and Brad Cree of the Rock are up for it along with Graham Hosick of the Halifax Thunderbirds. Is it a slight when they do this because there's not a single West guy? in the top three for defensive player of the year. And yet you can have two guys on the same team. So I, I, I certainly think so. I think maybe people are now getting Kyle Rubish fatigue. Like, I don't know, like he probably should have been there. Like Eli Salama probably should was, have been in there. Yeah. It was just, but then, you know, he, he obviously should have been there, but does he get lost in the shuffle because there's such a transition based mm-hmm. team and a lot of emphasis on courier and, and Simpson, but that's a different award. And yeah, Hell, like, Warren Jeffrey probably should could have been in there. There's so well, many guys up yeah. west that well, that could have been. Names now. It, no, of course, but again, for Toronto, like I do, I do see what you're saying, but I do think it's kind of a testament of how good this Toronto Rock defense mm-hmm. was during the regular season. But with that being said, almost leads me to believe that maybe this is Graham Hossick's award to win because this probably means that the vote was split between split. Harris and Cree. Yeah. Um, the big takeaway for me, though, is 
I know Latrell Harris is listed as a defender, but I think this year he played more of a transition role. He had 30 points. He yes. was when, when Challen Rogers was out and when Mitch Disnew was out, he was the guy that was pushing pace. Like he yeah. was the guy getting out there and, and, and being the straw that stirs the transition drink. It was Brad Cree. He was the stay at home guy. Sure. Yeah. He liked to get the ball up and up, but I thought I would see Latrell Harris in that transition player of the year uh, conversation. Oh, 100%. But found himself, and and I think that just goes to show you how valuable of a, of a defender he is. That people see him as a defender before him being just a transition player. Uh, I think it speaks volumes to that. Transition player of the year: Reed Bowering, Zach Courier, Chown Rogers. Uh, I believe this, as we talked about, is the Zach Courier Award um, from here on for the next few years. Um, just not taking anything away from Bowser or Chow. Like those guys had incredible seasons. Bowering got hurt in the last few weeks of the season. Didn't end it healthy. Didn't have his greatest offensive output, but was a league leader in loose balls. Was a you know a top of the league in in block shots and and caused turnovers, but didn't have the transition year. Mm-hmm. that he had in his first year, which I kind of, that's maybe why I was a little curious how he made it uh, just because his numbers weren't there. But Challen was a horse all year for Toronto going both ways, whether they asked him to play straight D or straight O, he still had the ability to do both. But Zach Courier was just, he's on another level, man. He's mm-hmm. on another level. And I just don't think there's any way he doesn't win this award. The, it's I, yeah it's for sure it's got to be him just you look at the numbers for the second straight year bowering again i tend to agree i i saw i i don't get me wrong i actually think he he took strides defensively like i actually oh, felt yes, like absolutely he he became a more well-rounded defender and i think because of that he kind of sacrificed a little bit of the transition game mm-hmm. and and that's fine because i think overall he became a better defender and it's going to only help him more. But I agree, like having the transition player of the year only score 17 points, like that just doesn't really make sense to me. When you look at Challen Rogers, he played about, about the half of his games as a guy going out the O-door. So it's like, is it transition player of the year or is it two way player of the year? Mm-hmm. Like, most well-rounded play like you kind of have to then think of the award but when i think transition player of the year i think of a guy that goes out the d door that pushes pace and can score in transition yes maybe he plays a little two-way here and there but for me i i just see it as a guy who is the guy that dominates the transition game and not just the the guy that is the best two-way guy or the the guy that can play the best offense while also playing good defense. And that's why I think who, it's – go ahead. The guy who led the NLL in defensive scoring isn't nominated for your top three. Like Josh Medeiros isn't on there. Yeah. Right? So maybe you're right. Maybe it has become who's the better – Who is is it a two-way kind of guy? But Reed Bowering is not a two-way guy. He's, he's a one-way guy. He plays defense mm-hmm. – Runs the balls, get off. Mm-hmm. Courier can say and play a bit. Doesn't do that often, but Chow can say and play. So 
you know, we're, we're nitpicking on trying to find the definition of this award um, to try to validate why guys are there. But it is very interesting to see, you know, that Reed Bowering 17 points is up there. And the guy that had 21 goals isn't up there in transition player of the year. So um, is what it is. Uh, Bowering, Curry, Rogers, all uh, capable of winning that award, but most likely going to Zach Courier. Gold center of the year, Christian Del Bianco, Nick Rose, Matt Vince. Again, remember, this only takes into account regular season. So the unfortunate end for the Toronto Rock season won't go against Nick Rose. Um, I was on record of saying I think he wins gold center of the year and Delbs wins MVP. But I think the voters will stick with Christian Del Bianco and give him the gold center of the year award. Yeah, it's it, it really again. I I think it's I think it's the year of the goalie. Like I, I really do. I think this year, and we haven't got to it yet, but you know MVP, um, Christian Del Bianco's in there. Don't want to spoil it, but if you haven't seen already, <laughs> um, rookie of the year. There's a goalie in that mix as well. I, I do think that just the, the, the magnitude of, of the importance of how well um, Del Bianco played and, and allowed his team to unlock another level through the transition game with the ability yeah. to throw the ball. I think that just gives him an, an advantage over these other goalies. But if Delbs doesn't have as great of a season, Nick Rose is probably winning his first yeah. uh, NLL goalie of the year or Matt Vince is winning his what 400th and second NLL goaltender of the year. It's just, I think, I think Delbs just had a different level and because he was so important to his team, it kind of carries more water. He literally is the definition of it, of MVP, which means he's got to be, he's up there for definitely up there for goaltender of the year. Uh, Rookie of the year. You mentioned there's a goalie in there, Brett Dobson, uh, almost pulled off the miracle run with the Georgia Swarm, getting them into the playoffs. Jonathan Donville was the leader uh, out of the gates, as the leader for most of the year in this voting. He probably gets it, but you cannot shake a fist at what John or what Jack Hanna did uh, for Las Vegas this year, coming into the National Crossing and having a stellar debut for the expansion club. Um, any other year. It could go to any of these three, and I think we're getting to the point where we're saying that each and every year, if it's not Jonathan Donville, it's going to be this guy. If it's not this guy, it's going to be this guy. If this guy wasn't in the league this year, this guy would have been a guaranteed winner. I don't know. I I don't honestly. I don't know how this goes. I I, I want to believe that it's Donville's, just for the body of work for the entire yeah. year. But I could see some. Some people giving Dauber a nod here. Yeah. And then maybe trying to steal that away from Donnie. Maybe it's so I, most biased. Who knows? I think so. Here's the way I break break each of it down. I think I think Brett Dobson was the most valuable rookie to his team, but because of the position, obviously, that carries more water. And mm-hmm. but his sample size was smaller. He was not very good at the start of the year. Let's be totally honest. Uh, he did figure things out. The most impressive rookie, considering them coming into the league, I think was Jack Hanna. Not like the most impressive, but 
his impact was most impressive because he's a guy that had very minimal box lacrosse experience. Yeah. And yes, he played in the the Ohio Box Lacrosse League, but Jonathan Donville and Brett Dobson have been playing lacrosse since they can walk. But with all that being said, from start to finish, the rookie that had the best season, I think, was Jonathan Donville, and I think that's why he's going to win. MVP, most valuable player. Christian Del Bianco, Dane Smith, and Jeff Teat. We will stay away from the diatribe of saying, why is Jeff Teat on there for a team <laughs> that didn't make the playoffs? Uh, because if Jeff Teat isn't on that team, they may not have won a game. So Jeff Teat deserves to be on here. Almost broke the single season record, has 254 points in two seasons of National Cross League play. Dane Smith almost broke his own single season point record, set a new single season assist record. Almost had a century of assists. <laughs> and then Christian Del Bianco had 18 dime, 19 dimes out of the back end for a goaltender. Had one of the lowest goals against and one of the best save percentages in the league. And was the key cog in making this Calgary Roughnecks a weapon and one game away from going to another NLL Finals. I don't want to say it's a runaway but I truly believe that we are going to see for the second time in NLL history, a goaltender be named MVP. I, I find that really hard to disagree. And that's no disrespect to what we saw from Dane Smith and Jeff T two of the best offensive seasons we have ever, ever seen. But when you just look at this award, the, 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 the meaning behind it, it's just very hard to, to, to argue that, CDB wasn't the best and most valuable player to his team. What I will say, and you and I have said it multiple times on whether it's this program or coast to coast, or probably even on broadcasts on, on TSN, we need a different award to, to honor the top forward or the yes. best offensive, play, whatever you want to call it. We need that award because uh, for Dane Smith and Jeff T, one of those guys not to walk away with any hardware after the season they had kind right. of seems, <laughs> feels like a sham. Yeah. But I, I but I, I think it's Christian Del Bianco's award to win. So, but I think this has to open up the door for a conversation to be had that there needs to be a John Tavares offensive player of the year award or, or yeah. whatever they choose to name it. I think there needs to be that award because now then we will, Hey, you can still win both. Maybe yep. next year, Jeff T scores 150 points, gets his team into the playoffs and he wins top offensive player and wins MVP. But now yeah, this which opens I'd up be totally fine with a hundred percent, but now it opens up the door. Maybe we see a defender win next year. Maybe Graham Hossack wins. Mm -hmm an MVP next year. Maybe Jake Withers wins an MVP. Maybe Zach Courier wins an MVP. Maybe another goalie wins an MVP. Yeah. It just allows the... It opens the door for more people to win. Yeah, exactly. We've been saying it for a long time. Yeah. Uh, so the National Crossing will start unveiling the winners starting on Monday. 
Uh, so stay tuned to NLL socials to find out who will be taking away the hardware this season. I have a question for you. Who is more likely to win both awards? Christian Del Bianco for MVP or goaltender or Kyle Buchanan for teammate and sportsmanship? Ooh, I like this one. Ah, I think it's probably Delves because if he wins MVP, I think then he obviously wins goaltender of the year. Um, but Bucky is up for those two awards for a reason, right? That's a good question. I like that one. Thanks, but it just popped into my head. Um, <laughs> he only had two penalty minutes. That's crazy. <laughs> For a guy that plays so hard, you'd think there would be right. maybe a high stick when he's, you know, going, putting a, you know, four checking or back checking on a ride or, you know, going in for a loose ball, bumping a guy from behind accidentally. Okay, like, this is ridiculous. All three guys who are up for the sportsmanship award only had one two minute minor. Wow. <laughs> Those bananas. Um, good job staying out of the box, fellas. Slash somebody sometime. <laughs> Let the ref know you're there. <laughs> Slash somebody's. Just take an undisciplined two just for once for me. Just so you can say you got four minutes in penalties in one season. Um, so again, National Crossing will announce the winners starting Monday leading up into game one of the National Lacrosse League finals. We know it will be in Buffalo. Um, I, I'm... I don't think I'm selling anything. It'll most likely be a Friday or Saturday in Buffalo. Um, but again, they're they're waiting to see who makes it from Calgary or Colorado to figure out when game two will be. So again, uh, hopefully we'll be able to announce, may, might be able to announce that on the broadcast, uh, depending on how things go. Uh, but I would imagine the NLL will announce that early next week. It's been a while. Uh, we didn't have a show last week because we were both extremely busy but heading into the May long weekend, let's try and help you have a successful one with another OTCB parlay. Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> All right, Patty, box bets time. It's your time to shine. It's our time to reward the fans with their pick. What do we got? There's only one game in the National Lacrosse League, so it kind of made the decision a little bit challenging. But the line of thinking that we had for this one, we want to see a good game. We want to see a close game. So mm-hmm. we went Mammoth plus one and a half ensure that we get a close game within one goal, go down to the last possession. Heck, maybe we get a little overtime. Wouldn't that be nice? Under 22 and a half, because let's be honest, these two goalies are going to show up and show big. And well, just to have a little more fun and get a little bit of a juicier number, we tossed in a Christian Del Bianco plus one point. I mean, he's got to get an assist, right? You put all three of those together. He's only got one in three games, Pat. He's due. (laughs) He's due. Hey, could could a fan essentially bet Colorado plus one and a half and Calgary minus one and a half and it be a one-goal game and both still win? 
No, because Cal- uh, Calgary would then not cover the spread if it was minus one. One of them. I'm, I'm I'm dumb. It's okay. It's I'm, okay. I'm You're not dumb. the first person who tried to think that they're going to beat the system. Anyways. <laughs> So you put those three together, Mammoth plus one and a half, under 22 and a half, and Adele Bianco point. Doesn't have to be an assist. Maybe he scores an empty netter. But then that would kind of screw up. That would screw up. Actually, no, it could be a second half empty netter. Um, Put that all together, plus 675. Uh, First team to score, Kaga Roughnecks minus 112, Colorado minus 108. You can get the uh, halftime line, Calgary, first half money line, minus 125. First half total over 10.5, minus 110. Case in point, it was 5-3 in games one, in game two. So the under of 10.5 at minus 110 might be the way you want to go. But, of course, you have all those lines and more over on CoolBet.com. And as Patty always says, on game day, they will add some more player props. Uh, to allow you a few more ways to try and win. And if you're looking for more lacrosse betting besides just Saturday's big game, CoolBet also has some NCAA Ooh. Division One men's lacrosse lines up. We've got, whoa, whoa, uh, where's the D2 love, bro? Hey, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to talk with the maybe we'll maybe we'll see if we can get the finals, the, the final four up. Maybe we'll see if we can well, get if that. Mercer's isn't in it, I don't want to bet. <laughs> um, far away from it if Lemoyne is in it again <laughs> yeah we got we've got futures up you can bet who to win the ncaa right now virginia the favorite alongside duke at plus 275 but also have game lines for every single uh round coming up um for this weekend we got games on saturday and sunday so even sunday if you're missing your lacrosse, you can get in on the action. And of course, PLL futures up and WL, WLA futures as well. Just the undisputed best lacrosse sports book in Canada. And it's not even close. Not even close. If you want to get in the fun, head over to coolbet.com. If you log in and you're a first time user, use that promo code OTCB. We'll help you out uh, with our friends over at Coolbet to give you a little more spending cash. And again, as they always say, if you win, praise us. If you lose, fade us. And uh, stay cool. Bet responsibly. Uh, Patty, how the Ironheads doing? It's been a tough go, Teddy. It's 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 been a tough go. Um, not an excuses guy, but first start of the year, you know, we've still got kids away at school, the Hill and Everest Academy, St. Mike's, a lot of lot of action down in the states so we've been you know playing a lot with our our u22s we're we're a young team but we're learning um you know we're grinding through this i I think that this is a little bit of a retooling year for us um we're not really graduating too many players next year so uh season's far from over we're we're still gonna grind try to get our way into the postseason and see what happens but i think this is a good learning year for a lot of these young guys um to get a good taste of junior lacrosse right out of minor it is uh it's a crazy time because mm-hmm. you as a coach you continue to want to put your best lineup out there but and I'm sure you guys are in the same same situation as us as a junior B program you're always waiting 
for the trickle down for guys yeah. to come back from school. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, well, if, if this guy comes back, we're probably going to get this guy. But when we get this guy, who's it going to affect on the back end of mm-hmm. our roster? And, you know, last night we had to, to release a guy down to tier two. And those are just the toughest conversations to have with kids because yeah. it's nothing that, especially when they've done nothing wrong, mm-hmm. you're just getting into the numbers game. And uh, it, it's, it's not a very enviable position. And I don't know how GMs and, and pro teams do it year after year after year to not crush kids dreams, but to tell a kid, Unfortunately, it's not your time right now, but it only makes our teams better. You, me, Coquitlam, Nepean, whoever it may be. When you get that trickle-down effect, just allows you to strengthen your team as a whole. And if I wasn't in Calgary this weekend, I would be loving every minute on the bench as we battle Coquitlam for the first yep. time this year. Two undefeated teams, 7-0, and 6-0. Um, the class of the league right now, depending on what Poco does, is they make a founders run. But man, there are some talented lacrosse players and 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 junior B. And I I still think people out west are trying to wrap their heads around what junior B is uh, <laughs> because it's not the intermediate lacrosse anymore. It's it's a five year program. It's not jungle, you know, gross, crappy, fight filled lacrosse anymore. It is incredibly talented young lacrosse players. Uh, and it's an exciting game. It's an exciting brand. And uh, it's going to be a, a great season both out here and for you guys out east. So uh, it's a little tough in the first few weeks of the season. But once we get out of May and into June, it's full steam ahead towards the Founders Cup. Anything else you got? Let's enjoy some lacrosse this weekend. I'm... <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Again, I love the doubleheader, the tra- traveling with with John and Ash across the border. Um, it Did was you guys awesome. carpooled together. We we met up in Hamilton, parked a car at the uh, the hotel, and then hopped in uh, Abs's truck, went down to Big Buff, came back, grabbed some wings at the Anchor Bar, um, and oh, then nice. uh, you made it to the Anchor Bar for last call. Yes, just did. We just did. We just made it. So um, we, we, yeah, we, we pick. Actually, we got it to go. So we went and grabbed that, and then went up to, to our rooms. And uh, yeah, I mean, hey, you know what? Um, it, it was awesome. But I'm looking forward to sitting on my couch on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. I shockingly have a weekend off from Ironheads Lacrosse. Last night oh, nice. was was our last game until Tuesday. So I'm gonna hit hit the links during the day. I think. Um, and I'm going to just enjoy some time away and actually sit down and hear you, Brad and Chantel do an unreal job of game three and, and just sit back and be a, be a fan for once. And it's going to be give fun. You a, I'll give you a shout out, bud. How about that? Oh, oh please, please. You don't have <laughs> um, enjoy the games this weekend. Again, hopefully the weather in Calgary uh, doesn't dictate the attendance inside the Saddledome because uh, this is going to be one hell of a lacrosse game between two teams with not much to decipher between them. It is 7.30 Mountain Time, 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific on TSN. Again, he's at Pat Gregoire. I'm at Teddy Jenner. The show at OTCB underscore podcast. Find us on the Instas at OTCB podcast. Until we speak again, enjoy game three. The winner 
will bring a rematch of either the 2019 or the 2022 NLL Cup against the Buffalo Bills. Please be again, stay safe and be excellent to each other.